Welcome to another episode of From Concept to Company. On this show, we dive in deep with current and aspiring entrepreneurs to learn about their pain points, things they wish they knew before they started, and their successes to date. This week, we're excited to have Ashley Selling, a parenting coach for moms with kids ages 2 to 10 years old. Ashley helps moms become calm and confident, even in stressful situations, so they can raise a calm and balanced child. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today remotely. I'm so so excited to have you and to share your value with all of our listeners. I know all of our female entrepreneur moms out there could definitely use some of the golden nuggets you have of advice and all of those entrepreneurs out there that might want to get into parenting coaching have um, will learn quite a bit from you today. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So for those that are unfamiliar with what you do, if you could share a little bit about what parenting coach, uh, what a parenting coach does, that would be great. And then I'd love to dive into your history after that. Yeah, absolutely. So as a parenting coach, I help moms one-on-one really problem solve the nitty gritty details behind the scenes that moms face. So getting into the parenting struggles that a lot of moms, they suffer with without sharing, right? Like it's, it's not something that moms want to share on social media. It's the struggles behind the scenes. It's the back, back, back not listening, the disrespect, and really problem solving so that moms can have a happy and calm home and really at the end of the day, feel like an amazing mom and raise happy children. So one thing that was always mind boggling to me, because I'm this very analytical person, um, is that when you become a mom, there aren't like actual Granted, there are classes, like, it's very common to go through birthing classes, and they'll put you through CPR classes, but it's not, like, a standard for moms to go through these classes, and just from seeing, you know, friends and family members that have kids, there's no training on behavioral psychology, and all of these things I feel like every parent should almost have to learn, um, because it's just so incredibly beneficial to these kids, and I've been following you Obviously, we're friends. So for those of you listening, you probably don't know that we're friends since high school. Um, But I've been following everything that you've been doing on social media, even though I'm not a parent, and joining in on the groups that you've created and all the wonderful things that you've done over the years. And it's just so incredible to learn and see all of these tools and tricks that, um, and even books, like the books that you have, I, I purchased for friends because I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know and understand um, these, these gems of information that help parents not be so stressed out. And then obviously it's also better for the kids. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to touch on that about how, how this is, it's not necessarily even about parenting coaching, I think, um, in its own weird way. It's like, almost like a one-on-one course that everybody should have to do, right? I don't know how to put that into words any better than <laughs> I totally just butchered it, but maybe you can touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so it's funny that you bring up um, postpartum classes you mentioned. So before I became a parenting coach, I created a new mom support group. And over the years, helping new moms, I really saw a need for parenting support. Because although we could figure out how to raise a baby, we could read books, it became more difficult when we had these off situations that a book didn't really tell us how to resolve, like specific situations when a child is disrespectful or not listening. And when I realized there was that need, I thought, hmm, I think this is the direction I, well, obviously now it it is the direction I went in, but I agree that I think so many people, we 
we don't know how to parent when we become a parent. We are parenting based off of example from our parents or grandparents or what we've seen and what we think works. And in my opinion, gosh, parenting is the most important job someone can do. And I don't see a need to wing it or simply just try to figure it out. There's, there's so much room for growth and being able to really be an amazing parent with just a bit more resources and one-on-one support. So I, I totally agree. I think it's really important that moms and dads too, parents get support so that they're not just winging it, whether that looks like a parenting class or getting one-on-one support from a parenting coach. I do love parenting books, and I think they can be really beneficial. However, there's really nothing that can compare to one-on-one support to get that immediate feedback on what will fit that person's child's needs, right? Like every child is unique in their own way, And although books are fantastic, it can really provide some framework. There's nothing better than getting that undivided support on a family's child and the child's needs. So those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you. I think that what was just mind-blowing to me, again, not a parent, um, just watching people around me is, I'm like, how do we go to school for so many years to understand life and, you know, what steps we need to take and all this stuff, but there isn't, it's not common practice for every parent to get a parenting coach or to have, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of classes. Yes, it's more common that someone will pick up a book. Um, It's, it's common, but not as common that they'll join support groups on Facebook and in person. And, I just feel like the information is, it's mind-blowing to me that it's not, like, standard for a mom, you know, to to be paired up with an awesome parenting coach like you and then get to learn <laughs> all of these things that I feel like every parent needs to know. Like, I had no idea. One thing, I'll never mm-hmm. forget it, is that I had no idea that you could teach a baby sign language. And when I learned that that was one of the things that you were covering um, in your groups, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm gonna, f- I'm gonna, we're friends, but I'm following her to support her, but also because I really want to learn everything and absorb everything I possibly can <laughs> before I have yeah. kids one day, because there's so much to it, and I have a, another high school friend who um, does behavioral psychology, like, um, for kids with autism, and I would learn tips from her on ha- how to handle certain situations, with children and it's just it's fascinating to me it's not just about um how do I word this the right way it's not just about like being guided but there's some serious science behind it and a lot of things that um you could learn as a parent to better understand how to handle certain situations so there's so much value to what you do and I think it's so interesting um that you landed in, in this field. And with that, I would love to have you share how you, like your full story. Did you think that you had shared previously that, um, you're like, Oh, I see this void, like, this is what I might do. And then you ended up doing it. But what was your past background? Like, what did you think you were going to be when you were a little girl? Hmm. What did I think I was going to be when I was a little girl? (laughs) (laughs) I knew Gosh, when I was about five, I really wanted to be a football cheerleader. (laughs) My family was really into um, football, and they still are now. But um, gosh, I thought for sure I was going to go to college, to UCLA, and become a UCLA cheerleader. And um, I never really knew what I wanted to do professionally with my life. And Before I had kids, I worked at a bank in a back office department and did a lot of hands-on reports and analytical things. And after I had my first son, I just 
something shifted inside and I knew that I couldn't go back to work, that, that I had to be closer to my son and that I had to be there to see all of the firsts and really support him in his childhood. So making that shift was, gosh, it was, it was a difficult shift because I'm an achievement type person, really ambitious and always enjoyed uh, doing things. And, and like when I worked at the bank, it was fun to me, as weird as it might sound, it, it was really fun to me to balance the different reports that I was doing because it was a form of achievement. And so when my son came and I chose to stay home, I, I really had to think about how will I fulfill myself as a stay-at-home mom? And it didn't take me long to realize that I saw a void in support for new moms that was attainable for people in my area. So um, I started a in-person mom group, and each week we'd have a different speaker come and talk about, like, breastfeeding, um, this has been several years now, so I'm trying to remember what topics we talked about, but breastfeeding, nutrition, uh, like mommy and me yoga, we had all sorts of different topics that I curated with different local experts. And it just really provided a way for moms to get the support and feel seen and heard and know that they weren't alone in their motherhood journey because becoming a mom Gosh, there's a quote somewhere, and, and I might botch this, but when a baby is born, there's also the mom that is born as well. So it's, it's, there's two new people coming out of the hospital room. And having that support for that transition of motherhood is so huge. And gosh, if you had told me, you know, 10 years ago that I would have created a new mom support group and then become a parenting coach, that that just would not have ever seemed feasible to me because it was just so far from what I thought. Um, yeah, being in the banking world and then going to becoming a parenting coach is such a change. But I'm so grateful I did it because I know deep in my soul that my work and the parenting support that my clients get seriously has the ability to change generations of self-belief, of trauma, and just patterns that might not have been working in the past. And goodness, I am just so grateful for the path that I've had because it is being a parenting coach is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And I'm just so happy that I've made it here. Yeah. Uh, what are what are some of the things that parents generally will reach out to you for support with? Um, just personally, really interested in in what parents tend to have the biggest problems with and um, what they would need you for. Yeah. So I just had someone reach out to me yesterday about um, bribing their kids to listen. So. Somebody was reaching out saying, gosh, I'm really ready for your help. I'm tired of bribing my kids to get them to listen. That's one, one big thing. Like listening in general is really big for moms. Um, so many moms feel like they repeat themselves 20 times before they blow up and get mad so that their kid then listens or gets dressed or finishes their dinner or something trivial. But moms are normally coming to me frustrated because they want their kids to listen better or they're um, coming to me because they realize there's a disparity between their own childhood and how they want to raise their children. So every person that's raised, we're conditioned and we operate under certain patterns and those patterns, be it good or bad, then affect how we raise our own children. So um, one of the clients I've worked with, we've mainly been working on her childhood patterns and how to uh, be a mom with basically a clean slate and not allow those patterns from her childhood to affect her own current parenting. So it's typical, I, I mean, every person has p 
patterns that we operate from that affect their marriage, their relationships with friends, no matter what relationship and how we operate can really determine how our children will grow. So if I'm constantly praising my child or if I'm constantly um, too uncomfortable with my child crying over something and saying, oh, here's candy, now you can stop crying, or, oh, you don't want to eat your dinner, okay, I'll make you something else for dinner, or um, one of my other favorites is uh, turning on the TV so that the, the child is no longer upset and crying, like really taming a child's emotions so that they're no longer upset because the parent doesn't know how to navigate that within themselves. So there's the discomfort with the child, but there's also the discomfort with the mom and the mom doesn't know how to process that in a healthy way. So there's, gosh, I mean, I could talk for hours about all of the things that I do, but those are some of the bigger things. And, um, I really love helping moms become confident. Like I think that is one thing that I'm known for that my clients will say is that I'm so much more confident than I was before because there is a lot of pressure in how to parent because we have our parents watching us, how we parent our own child or from society or culture, of how we should do things. And really anchoring in, helping a mom, my clients, anchor into their self-confidence and self-trust in their own decisions so that they feel good about it no matter what. Because at the end of the day, it's their child, not society's child, not culture's child, not their parent's child. It's their child. So how can they parent their child in a way that they feel good about to raising a happy, healthy human? I love that. I think for most of our listeners, they're entrepreneurs, and I'm sure many can relate, depending on where they're at with their current business, that having support and a network and somebody that can guide you through the right paths and affirm that you're on the right path, you have a lot more self-confidence that you're on, you know, in moving in the right direction, and then you can keep those patterns one of the things that I had learned just from having a friend in behavioral psychology was she would share with me that she would go, um, you know, to these houses of these parents and teach them how to handle certain situations. If, it, you know, a, a child with autism is a little bit different, but sh she would teach them how to handle specific situations. And she'd explain that always handling the situation in this particular way is very important. Don't don't do it this way one time and then this way the next time. Keep that consistency. And there's a lot of psychology mm -hmm. behind it all. And it was always just so fascinating to me. Um, and so when it comes to entrepreneurship, I think a lot of people can relate um, to the fact that had they had understood um, steps to running a business, and this is the only thing that I can relate to because I'm not a parent, so apologies for the analogies and all this other fun stuff, but I kind of see it you know, in its own little way, like you can learn so much up to a point to where it actually happens, right? You actually take the leap and then you really have to rely on mentors and your network to help you along the way. And you can't be scared to ask for help or to invest in yourself to find that support to guide you um, because it makes things so much easier. And, and even more than owning a business, this is a child's life. Like, like you had shared these, this is, it's going to help mm -hmm. generations. And by taking the steps to better understand the psychology behind behavior and, and, um, you know, all the other fun things that, that you can learn, um, from a parenting coach, but I'm still learning everything. Cause I feel like, like you had shared, you could talk about it for hours. I feel like somebody could write a book and it'd be you know, a billion pages long and it still <laughs> wouldn't be long enough because <laughs> there's so many scenarios and yes. so many situations. Um, but just understanding yeah. like that there, there is not always one way to handle things, but there is always going to be someone out there that can help support and guide and direct and reaffirm, um, 
and and that's just so important and when when you're an entrepreneur and a parent I tell my friends that are entrepreneurs and parents I'm like I don't know how you do it I don't think I could do it like I really (laughs) don't I have it's a full-time job it is a I can tell I can I see it it is a full-time job and you have a life Mm -hmm. that 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 is absorbing everything you say and everything you do and how do you how you react to things and then they they pass that on and they pass that on and um until they seek support then the um pattern isn't broken and I want to make sure there's certain patterns that I break right um when when it comes to having a kid when I'm ready for that in mm-hmm. quite a few years. Um, but I want to make sure that, you know, I, I avoid that. And I think that, you know, just outside looking in, there's so many parents that get extremely overwhelmed and they think they're doing the right thing. And then they're like, okay, I think I'm doing this right thing. But then the behaviors don't change the screaming or um, the temper tantrums or the not listening or the um, like, children can from experience um be emotionally responsive um so understanding that process and the psychology behind that and it's just like it's so much (laughs) there's so much (laughs) yes there is oh there's no doubt though that you'll be an amazing parent I've known you long enough to know You'll, you'd be a great mom. Thank you. It gives me some serious anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah, no need. No need for anxiety. Uh, it's all, everything gets worked out. But having the support is, is definitely, it does make a huge difference. And like you mentioned earlier, People go to school for years to learn a specific school or to learn a specific trade. And, you know, that isn't really offered for parenting. So yet parenting is the most important job. So why wouldn't we spend the time to learn how to parent in a calm and confident way? Yeah, I, I want to shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> I want to make it, like, <laughs> mandatory that there's some core competency classes. Again, obviously, the one-on-one <laughs> is so much more valuable, but at least, like, you know, a, a few key core competency classes that, that people take or something because there's so much to know. But but I feel like yeah. people don't – they don't – they uh, – they don't know that it's out there or, you know, they will buy a book from when they're at, you know, Bye Bye Baby or something, getting some other things and they have every mm-hmm. intent to read it or they read it and it covers like the basics of how to potty train, but it doesn't dive into like, what do you do if, you know, X, Y, Z. And um, I think it's just so, 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 so important. Um, I'm, I'm super passionate about it and I wish I could like better explain but there's so many facets of it it's hard to dive into without having a specific podcast on a very specific topic um yeah yep there's so many things gosh so many different parenting topics (laughs) (laughs) so I actually have I went on a purchasing spree when you had done your Facebook live even though I'm not a mom yet to get all these really cool books and I'm staring at them and I my heart melted because when you were talking about that I'm I'm like okay every like I wish that no offense to my mom because I don't think anything like this existed uh back when I was a little girl and even if it did she probably had no idea because she actually learned about them and then went and bought them for everybody she possibly could (laughs) she bought a handful um (laughs) but I just I I feel like another part of it is not just about the parent but it's also about the kid and the things that you teach Mm -hmm. and the resources that I you know follow you and watch you provide is so valuable for children to help them as children because navigating life as a child is hard. Like if we take the time to close our eyes and look back, like 
we didn't have the knowledge that we have today and we would be emotionally responsive to things not to you know cause problems all the time but just because we're overwhelmed in certain situations and so I've already sent out a few of them but I have a couple of them um, that I'm waiting to give in person and there's one where it talks about being different and I just mm-hmm. think that kids being learning that it's okay to be different and how everybody is different in their own little unique ways is just so valuable for them to learn that in a fun, unique way through a book. And then I have, what if I know my feelings? Mm-hmm. Children have so many one. feelings and they don't know how to handle their feelings and if their feelings are normal. And I just like, ah, oh, I was I was conditioned mm-hmm. with, you know, Barbie and Cinderella and all these princesses and how, you know, I'd grow up and just find Mr. Prince Charming. And I wish and I and I like have mentally bookmarked all these for when I end up having a kid so that they (laughs) they too can learn Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. normal to have feelings and it's and everybody is unique in their own ways and all of these things like I'm so thankful that people have come forward and learned um, the importance of of these topics and there's so many you know validation and um, making sure that the kids feel accomplished and and a million other topics. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I love books for yes. this for kids too. And I think that, you know, yes. a, lot of, a lot of parents get wrapped up in the popular TV shows and letting their kids just follow whatever popular TV shows or movies are out. And um, there are some incredible resources and books too directly for kids to help them precondition them almost in a way for what they're gonna feel and go through emotionally at that current age and even as they get older they're conditioned younger you know and then as they get older they're molded into this person that understands these certain scenarios if that makes sense I probably like totally butchered Mm -hmm. and I'm not a parenting coach but I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yes more yeah all about the parent learning how to navigate their own emotions and then teaching their child to also navigate their emotions in a healthy way and gosh I just love 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 using books as a teaching tool for children for parents and also as a means to connect from parent to child because there's just there's just something special when at least for me when my son is sitting in my lap and we're reading a book together And man, we have all of the books about feelings. And that's, you know, one reason why I decided to start selling books. I just love the the means to the connection that it provides and and having such great books to provide both of my kids with. And yeah, books, gosh, I love how they, you know, talking about feelings and being different, that it's okay, okay to be different in your own unique way how to regulate their emotions, just such powerful tools that me as well did not have as a child. Yeah, I know. I look back, I'm like, if I only had this breathing book, um, I would. (laughs) 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 Um, Mm -hmm. um, And I still try to do yoga and I still have a hard time breathing. But if only I had this when I was younger. So I had so I have I have still I say had, but I have so many friends that have gotten pregnant over quarantine and it is like my mission to get them connected with you and to get these books to them and I've been like strategically trying to wait until they announce the gender so I know which book to send and my friend Aldiana (laughs) just announced that she's having a little girl so I'm sending her I I don't it's already wrapped in like in the mail so I don't remember the name exactly but it was the one about breathing and it's the little girl and it talks about like breathing through stressful situations and yoga and I'm like okay yeah yes everybody I love that book it's such a sweet book it's so cute it's so cute and I'm like oh 
I want all, I want to like take all of these books and all this knowledge and like go back in time and see how my life would have been like, no offense to my mom. She's probably going to end up listening. Um, it didn't exist, but like, I'm so interested, like how I would have been different had I, um, you know, had these, these books and like even parents, um, had the knowledge that's around now been around back when I was younger. Yeah. And I, I, I I just, I think it, I think it would be so different if it, if it was uh, Mm -hmm. more abundant and more widely recognized. And so now I just want to shout from the rooftops with a microphone. (laughs) This exists. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really so good. And I, I can so relate to that. I wonder to myself and, and, I'm sure our parents, I know my mom did the best that she could have and, and my dad as well. So I think it's just once you know that those things are out there, then you can start to add them in. And gosh, the Internet is so different now than it was when we were kids even. So not I, I know my mom did not know of those resources. So once we know, we can add them in and do better. Yeah, and I think the internet, too, it's hard because there's so much misinformation, um, and there's a lot of people giving their opinion that probably shouldn't. So, like, as an example, Mm -hmm. I had a friend, um, I don't know, it was probably about a month ago, that posted spanking or no spanking, just as a question on their news feed, and it caused Mm. this massive uproar of everybody giving their opinion on spanking their children. And I don't know what that person ended up doing and if they ended up taking a lot of people's advice on, like, spanking cut me in line and or, you know, whatever. Um, And I feel like parents probably tend to get a little lost now with so much information, too. So it's kind of like a catch-22. We see it in marketing and entrepreneurship a lot as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, I'm sure it can be incredibly overwhelming for parents on like, okay, what, what do I follow? Which, which, which path do I take? So I'm curious, what was the overall opinion on that thread? Because that, (laughs) that is a very heated topic and controversial topic spanking or not spanking so what was the overall consensus I was not a fan personally I'm not a fan um of aggressive behavior uh and I feel like and and again I have no background so might lose a few listeners from this because I'm not a mom giving advice but uh, a lot of the people were <laughs> pro spankers and they said that that's how they grew up. And so I feel, and that it worked and it kept them in line. And so they're pro spankers because they feel like it keeps their children in, in line. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the psychology behind that is mm-hmm. long. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's an interesting. Gosh, I feel like I could record a whole hour-long podcast episode just about spanking. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. It's such an interesting topic. And to see all of the patterns that come out and childhood traumas, because there there's, can be trauma, too, that comes out about spanking. And to see those things play out, it's interesting to me that the thread was mainly pro banking. Me too. I didn't expect it at all. And I was very set back by it. Um, just because the, the network that I'm surrounded by, like I wouldn't have expected that from them. Um, but I just know personally, mm-hmm. like I will not be a pro spanker parent. Yeah. There's, there's just so many, and, and this is where the education comes in, and, and gosh, I wish I could shout it from the rooftops because there's so many other tools and strategies and techniques that parents can do before spanking, mm-hmm. like to each their own and whatever they feel is best for their child. However, most of the time, parents resort to spanking because they don't know what else to do, and 
I'm just here to, to say for whoever is listening as a parent, there are other options of things that you can do. It just takes practice to see what works for their child. And um, there's, there's always hope that you don't have to spank if that doesn't feel good to the, to the parent. I cannot wait to um, one day <laughs> be like, hey, <laughs> what do I do in this situation? <laughs> um, yep, got you. <laughs> because I feel like that's the case. I truly feel like that's the case, and I wanted to let you say it, but I just I feel like they – have gone towards that because it's last resort or they don't know that any other options exist. And to your point, like every child is different and they teach that um, across the board that you can try these things and, and be consistent and see what works specifically for them. And I think that's why having um, you on this incredible career path, being a parenting coach so that you can give that customized advice is just value that is priceless in its in its own way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I think I was also surprised um, it seems like every client has their own version of spanking and I'm always surprised at how many parents do spank um, I was not spanked as a child, so I did not grow up with that type of parenting. So it's it's already ingrained in me not to spank. But I do I, I see both sides. I understand I understand the hopeless frustration that parents get to and they don't know what else to do. And at the other hand, I understand the the negative sides of using spanking as, as a consequence or a punishment. So, gosh, my hope would be parent, for parents to parent without shame, guilt, or punishment. Or And, and it isn't just spanking that's prevalent today. It's, it's also flicking, um, hitting, um, something else, too, that I heard recently, and I can't remember exactly what it was. I think... The um, spanking, hitting, and flicking are the most common. And it wasn't until I became a parenting coach that I realized, wow, this is way more common than I thought. Because, like I mentioned, with my own childhood, I wasn't spanked. So I, I was surprised at, at how prevalent it still is today. Yeah. And I think over time that parents once they learn that there's other ways that that's not that doesn't have to be their first resort or even their last resort there's there's really other ways that they can parent so that they're not having to spank and to that I think just again outsider's perspective and would love your thoughts and opinions I feel again it goes back to the childhood right if you went through it or you didn't go through it this is you tend to carry on the same parenting that you had um, but also mm -hmm. it tends to be what we see others do, right? So um, mm -hmm. from just diving into conversations with friends is it's like, oh, yeah, when my – how do you handle a tamper tantrum, temper tantrum? And it's like, oh, when my kid's screaming inside of a grocery store, I'll give them my cell phone because that's what gets them to stop screaming because it's the only way I know how to handle it, mm -hmm. or I'll buy them whatever they're screaming for to get them to sc stop screaming, because that's the only way I know how to handle it. And then it's so intriguing right. to me to then talk to other parents who better understand like behavioral psychology and might have hired a parenting coach, um, where they're like, no, this is how I handle this situation. Um, and it's then conditioned the child to not behave in that way, because they know... Um, I don't I don't know how to put this properly into words. I'm gonna I'm totally butchering everything. But they they're they're the the parenting style is so different, and they don't respond in with aggression or with re direct immediate reward. Um, so the child then mm -hmm. doesn't have those cases. 
Whereas it seems ah. from outside perspective, again, that the parents that respond with aggression and rewards tend to have those behaviorals appear more frequently, which is very mm-hmm. interesting to me. So I'm just so fascinated by this because I want to learn more than just like some little pieces of the scenarios. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's wild how um, how different parenting can make such a big difference and then again change what they pass down from generation to generation and having a better understanding of options is just so important. Mm-hmm. I look Something back. Something that just... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just going to say that um, something that stood out to me with what you said is people, like how a parent will just, will give their child a a phone because they're, you know, in a grocery store or something and their child is crying, like, oh, here you go, here's my phone so you can stop crying. And then later parents begin to wonder or ask me, why is my child manipulating me? And I'm like, hmm. I know it looks like they're manipulating you, but they're not. They're just really good at knowing how to get their needs met. So when a child is, when that's how they're crying is, is responded to, when a parent is responding to a child's crying by giving them a phone, a piece of candy, a toy, the child knows that that's what they have to do. And it's, it's not manipulating the parent. It's, the child has become conditioned to this is how I get my needs met. And when we, when parents can train their child to get their needs met in a healthy way, gosh, when we strip back all the layers, this is what I teach parents to do is how to teach their children to get their needs met in a healthy way, setting the boundaries, taking out the the thoughts that, my child is is intentionally manipulating me or intentionally disrespecting me, like stripping back those layers to find out what the child really needs so that the parent can help the child get their needs met. And and by needs, I mean emotional needs, security needs, so on and so forth in a healthy way, as opposed to the child cries, they cry to get what they need. And it's such a mind shift. It it makes so much sense, yet we're not, or society is not conditioned in this way, where parents look at it as misbehavior. Why is my child misbehaving? They disrespect me. They're manipulating me. Why is my child doing this to me? And it's it's so much more than that. It's it's all about the child doing what they know to get their needs met. Just blows my mind. (laughs) I wish that I could take that little bit and just have it on repeat over loudspeaker because I there's too many people that are reactive and they don't Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to dive in and understand that the child just needs to get their needs met. Uh, It's so important just as human beings, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your age is, we all have needs that have to be met. And if they aren't met, guess what happens? And if they're conditioned to that in a scenario, if the parent does something that meets their needs and they have to do that particular thing to get that need met, guess what? They're going to keep doing it. And there's a lot of that behavioral psychology behind it. And understanding how conditioning works um, and then understanding how to meet those needs before that scenario might happen. Okay, I've been really busy working lately. I haven't been able to give my child any love or attention. Um, Let's make sure I make time to do that so that I don't continue on without meeting their needs emotionally um, and then wonder why they're acting up, just as an example. So I think that there's there's exactly. so much um, that can be taught in in regards to that, and it's a an endless topic <laughs> for sure. Yes, <laughs> it really is. 
it really is an endless topic. <laughs> I remember I, so one thing I'm happy to share online, um, it's, it's very personal, is that I was conditioned as a kid. I was not um, ever um, spanked, but I was properly, um, like, you know, put into punishment or, or time out, right? Um, but when mm-hmm. I was rewarded for things, I, w- I was always rewarded with candy, and so, like, to get potty trained, it was candy, and, um, you know, if I got a good grade or whatever, like, it was always candy, it was always this sugar, sugar connection for me, and I, over the years, like, have noticed that I will love sugar, and I'll rely on sugar in certain scenarios, and I'm like, okay, that's a trigger, like, I've been conditioned since I was a little kid to go to sugar um, in certain Mm. situations, so it's so interesting how you can follow that through the the life cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, thanks for sharing that with me. The, gosh, um, you open up a big can of worms. Um, with rewards in general, it's just such, it can be such a slippery slope. And there's such a difference between encouragement and rewards. Like, mm, rewards don't teach a child to be internally motivated. Rewards teach a child to be externally motivated and I'm not saying to never use rewards, like it's it's just when it's in excess or when it's all the time, then that, that child looks for that reward whenever they've done something good. And when that reward isn't there, there's there can be self-esteem issues, unworthiness issues, um, like this need or, or craving for validation and... I know that I was raised uh, rewards or like pray, verbal praise that I got as a child and becoming an adult and especially becoming a parenting coach, I really had to untangle that so I could have my own back and not depend or rely on that praise and rewards for anyone from anyone else. And that's, gosh, that's been an interesting journey all on its own from, from starting a business. And uh, there's lots of mindset work that I've done to really break that pattern and association from praise. Yeah, it's so wild looking back and being like, okay, <laughs> wow, <laughs> childhood makes such mm-hmm. a big difference on who we are today, um, and there's just so much to learn to to help um, children in their in their lives and their future. Question for you, because I'm interested. I've always seen um, these like calendars that people will use for chores and different accomplishments and they get little stickers and stars. Are you like pro that type of accomplishment recognition (laughs) um, tool? I don't know what to call it. Mm, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I'm not normally an advocate for reward charts because it creates this good girl, boy Uh, excuse me, good girl, bad girl mentality. And children are always good. Like, for instance, at my son's preschool, he actually goes to a Montessori preschool, and um, it's not traditionally a Montessori uh, practice to have rewards, but his class right now has rewards. And this week, he wasn't able to get a reward out of the reward treasure box that they do and he just came home so upset that he didn't get a reward Mm. that it was just this week 
and it breaks my heart because he's such a good, he's just such a sweet boy. He worked so hard in his Montessori class and without a doubt, he deserves a reward. However, he, he didn't get one. So now sure he's five, so he might not connect these dots, but there's deserving the, the, the knowing that he's deserving and him having to navigate, oh, well, I see my friends, they got a reward, but I didn't. And I didn't deserve one. And they were good, but I'm bad. And I, yeah, so <laughs> to answer your question in short form, I don't advocate for reward charts because it creates this good girl bad girl mentality and children are always good and they need to be encouraged to learn from their mistakes not be punished or not receive a sticker because they didn't do exactly what they were supposed to do does that make sense no I love that because I've heard both sides and um, I'm so appreciative for you sharing your take on it because I've always wondered, and I hadn't had the opportunity to ask you, and I feel like a lot of parents tend to almost have an in-home competition, which I didn't foresee as being healthy um, f- for the ch- child, because then they're you know, competing when being a child is hard enough as it is. Like, we have to grow up and, mm-hmm. and, and compete in life. Like, we need to be learning and not feel like we have to compete or that, again, um, we only get rewarded when we do something exactly right. And you just can't always do something exactly right with the little knowledge that they have and then understanding the child's brain and how it develops and how long it takes to develop has been very interesting to me too. Yeah, and something else to add to that is that when a child starts to not be rewarded, they'll begin to think or the self-belief that starts to get downloaded in their mind is that they're not good enough. They weren't good enough or in competition, my brother did it better. I wasn't good enough. Like those are the thought patterns that are being downloaded into their minds. And, and sure, some listeners might say, wow, that's extreme. But when you see the difference between encouragement and praise and so praise and rewards are like lumped into one and when you when you truly understand and implement encouragement in your parenting as opposed to rewards a child will be internally motivated and encouraged to to perform and another issue with rewards and praise is that when a child has the thought it's not good enough they eventually become discouraged and don't do anything at all. Not because they can't, but because they feel like it won't be good enough. So speaking to children in an encouraging way with encouraging language, there's, there's just, it's such a difference. And the self-beliefs that are downloaded for a child that was encouraged are so much better. Their self-esteem will be so much higher, self-confidence, the ability to problem solve will be so different than a child that was uh, verbally praised or rewarded with toys and sticker charts and, you know, even potty training charts. It's just crazy to me to see both sides and what the effects are of both. I remember, I don't remember which celebrity it is, but I remember listening to a podcast or a course from a celebrity that talked about, Um, how at her dinner table every night she would be asked by her dad what's one thing you failed at this week and instead he would encourage her Mm. yeah that was um Sarah Blakely's you I think you sent me that episode it was such a great episode I listened to that too and um yeah really highlighting you know failures and making it a common conversation Granted, it needs to be age appropriate. I probably wouldn't be asking my five and three-year-old at this point what they failed in that day, but a conversation for when they get older, absolutely, because 
children need to learn that it's okay to make mistakes. And also parents need to know that how to encourage their child through mistakes and also not save their child from making mistakes, right? Like a lot of parents, they want to be their child's savior and protect them from any failures, yet it really does a disservice because children need the opportunity and the space to learn to learn from their mistakes and, and be able to handle a mistake. Yeah, with, and, and to be know, able to openly talk character. about it too, right? To be able to mm-hmm. openly talk about it and not feel like you're going to be shamed or to be shameful about it, that it's okay to make mistakes and then to talk through what you learned from, um, I think is so powerful. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah, I I like what you just said. I, I think that's so important. And I know my parents always told me to do the best that I can and mistakes were welcomed. However, I had from my own child, I had my own, self-esteem issues with trying to be the best constantly be the best in school be the best in whatever I was doing trying to be the best and um yeah I think it's you know it's such a slippery slope depending on how parents parent their child and if I just had one wish for every parent on the planet it would be that all parents deserve to have the tools and the knowledge they need to raise a healthy, balanced child that is confident. I think that's most parents' goals is they want their child to become successful in life and, and be a healthy person that contributes to society. And there's just so many ins and outs of that. And I just think, gosh, every parent on the planet deserves to have the knowledge they need to be able to do that. (laughs) I am right there with you. Oh, Oh, my gosh. So one thing I love to ask everybody, now that you'd shared one thing that you wish every parent knew, what's one thing you wish you knew before you started your company, before you got into this business? Mm, that's a good question. I think overall, man, there's just, there are so many things I wish that I had known, but the number one thing is how much mindset it takes and self-belief. Um, there's, you know, somebody could do all the things and set up the web page and the Instagram and the whatever things but if if your mindset isn't right or you don't believe in yourself none of those things will work the the web page like having a web page is great however you have to still believe in yourself and what you're offering in order for those things to work and I never I never knew that (laughs) before going into business by myself like this and um yeah I think that's the one major thing is is having belief in myself and the mindset that it would take to make it happen yeah we hear that from a lot of entrepreneurs is you know especially as females um we can get really excited about a passion project and feel like it's our purpose and all that stuff and then we can get in our own heads and be like the mindset gets in the way or we'll second guess whether or not we should be doing it and if we're qualified enough to do it and we tend to overthink mm-hmm. things and you know I'm guilty of of it with action mavens is I got really discouraged my mindset was at like zero I got very very discouraged after COVID when we had to pause all of our recording and speakers moved out of the state and so much had changed and I'm like I did all this work and I have to redo it all and it just really hurt my mindset and Mm. it took a lot to get Mm -hmm. like back into that groove um because without it you know you're the you're the brand as an entrepreneur and you have to make sure that you have um you know all those tools in your little toolbox and mindset is a very very important one yeah absolutely I couldn't agree anymore and I'm so happy you did figure out a way to make your podcast continue because they're so great they're so good to listen to 
yeah, podcast is up and running. Um, I've got a virtual assistant who's working on finding, uh, outreaching and coordinating all of the speakers to start recording uh, dates, and we're excited to get started again. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped, and we've got some really big announcements, actually, with some new technology we're going to be using for the courses, too, so I'm really excited about that. That mm. definitely helped. Awesome. Can't wait to hear more about it. Can't wait to share. Well, thank you so much for all your valuable information you had with our listeners. We uh, lasted exactly an hour, which is fun. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for for joining us today. And for all of those listening in, where can they find you online to reach out to you in case they wanted to utilize your services? Yeah, so um, my website is ashleyselling.com. Or that's also my Instagram, Ashley at Ashley Selling, and it's A S H L E Y. And selling is like you're selling a house, but one L. So S E L I N G, AshleySelling.com, or I'm at Ashley Selling on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. <laughs>